0: and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot-Jackson.
2: And I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm thrilled to be here with you, Nancy. Uh, And I'm in a different place today. Yes, where are you? I am actually in the new control room for the Autism Network, which we have not given people a tour yet, and, um, and I've never done the show from the control room before, so this is fascinating, but we're having some internet issues in my office, so I'm, I'm here in the control room. I said earlier this morning, the universe is telling us that we got to get the show all the way back in the studio, so it's speaking loudly. It
0: looks very uh, <laughs> high-tech in back of you.
2: Well, uh, this is, I, I mean, I, I should swing it all around so that you could see where Traven's sitting and but I, I'm not going to throw that at him uh, right now, but another time we'll do a show where we'll show everybody our new digs as the Autism Network and- you know, getting things up and running. We are now doing Ask Dr. Doreen from the studio, but we're not doing the other shows, Autism Live or this show or any of the other shows from the studio yet. But it's, I said this morning, the universe is telling us it's time. So hopefully very soon we'll be able to do that. You, are you well, Nancy, you just got back from a big trip.
0: Yeah. I was in the Caribbean and the Turks and the Caicos. It was amazing.
2: That's I can't wait to hear all about it. And I hope at some point you're gonna share pictures with us.
0: It was beautiful, absolutely stunning.
2: I love it. I hope you've come back rejuvenated.
0: I did. I'm still a little <laughs> jet I'm still a little jet lag. Just got back on Sunday, so
2: wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, thrilled to be here. And and we have not uh, see, had our fill of Y-Art uh, in quite a while. So uh, I hope that you're going to share that with us. I do have to give one programming note to folks that um, this program we are pre-recording this uh the night before you're seeing it so on thursday morning when you're seeing this premiere live we did record it last night and um that is how we do let's talk autism with shannon and nancy and but it, i'm watching with you right now so please still interact right in Tell us your thoughts, your feelings, your questions. You're going to love our guests. We got a great guest coming up in a little while. I just love it when we have dads on the show, Nancy. We've said that for a long time, right? And this, I can't wait to talk to this dad for because he's got good information that everybody needs to hear. But want to remind all of you that you're watching it live. If you're watching it live right now, it's on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Or a dozen other sites that Traven just showed you. It will podcast later on today and be available as a free download wherever you get your podcasts. Remember that if you're if you want the audio podcast, go to all those podcast places where you get your podcasts. If you really want to watch the video, then we're asking you to please. Uh, we're we're only streaming the video for the podcast on YouTube anymore. So please check out the video there. But for everything else, if you're taking us on the walk the run the car please get that wherever you get your podcasts that was my disclaimer now can we please be reinforced with why art
0: oh i think i've got two paintings that he just did okay um, this one is just called cactus
2: i love it
0: yeah he it's did that about two weeks ago um and uh it's available for purchase if anybody's interested um, it's gorgeous yeah, nice and colorful, huh? And I love a- all the red, the uh-huh. juxtaposition of yes. the red. It's really That's beautiful. That's a Christmas, Christmas cactus. I love and it. And then the other one, uh, the next one is a sea turtle. Oh. And the story behind this is on my vacation, I saw lots of sea turtles. And my host, who had me stay at their villa, and there were also two other couples there, I was the odd person out, not being part of a couple, but everybody made me feel very welcome. I wanted to give them something for having me on such a spectacular trip. So I had Wyatt paint this. That's going to be a gift for them.
2: I love it, Nancy. And I then
0: there are two other versions, which he hasn't, he's still working on I'll get to the other two couples just as a thank you for having me on such a spectacular trip.
2: I love it I, and I also love how the signature on it almost is like you could miss it if you weren't looking for it. It's almost like more of the seaweed. I love the 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 play of the light in the back and and how different the color of the back fin is than the front. It's just kind of amazing. And I always love the expressions on the animals that he does. Just beautiful work.
0: And of course, we've said before on the show, you can see, if you're watching, he's available on Instagram at yart underscore autism and on Facebook as yart, and that's W-Y art, autism. And
2: and Nancy, he does commission work, yes? He
0: does, yes, he lots of commissions. He does dog portraits, cat portraits. He's done a couple of human portraits. So um, if anybody's interested in commissioning, they can contact us with that Instagram
2: and Facebook. What a lovely gift to give someone that you know and love in the autism community. If they have a pet that they just love and adore, you can take a picture, send it to Nancy, Wyatt does a painting, and you're helping to foster a young artist while you're giving a gift that is, is really beautiful and important and probably going to be worth a lot more than what you paid for it. Uh, in terms of memories, but also because this is a budding artist. So definitely check it out. You guys, why all
0: all the uh, proceeds from his artwork goes to his art lessons, which is brilliant teacher, Paola. Paola. And,
2: and we have to be honest, you know, that's quite an expense, Nancy. And she's
0: um, expensive.
2: Yeah but worth it. Absolutely worth it. So, uh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing my art with us. And now it's that time of the week or the time of the month when we foray into the news to see what's going on in the news, a lot going on, not all of it, uh, sunny and happy, but, um, I, on my list, I have a starting with an article that I saw in the Deseret news.
0: I, you, for those of you who what? know, I where is, tra- yeah, where is the Deseret news?
2: It's Utah, and I spent some time living in Utah, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the Deseret News. And uh, this article, written by a sister, with a little bit of a plea to all of us to be thinking about not, people who are non-speaking and how they communicate and making sure that we're having them be a part of the conversation, I just was so moved by this article, Nancy.
0: I was, too. It was a very well-written article, Um, as you said, written by a sister of a young man on the autism spectrum. Uh, Her name is Julia Chu Knutson. And she uh, began the article um, from the moment she found out that her brother, um, using a new therapy called Spelling to Communicate, was able to express himself in ways that she and her family never dreamed possible. Yeah.
2: There I don't want to give too much away cuz it's really well written you guys but there's there's a part where she talks about her self as a she was the older sibling and she talks about how she felt about her brother and what she thought he understood and what she you know didn't what he didn't understand her mother contacting her and saying you're not going to believe this and and the teacher asking him to spell Massachusetts yeah and him going through it and each time he punched a letter with great effort that it took him to punch a letter That each and every letter that he pushes in the Massachusetts, she tells you of the crumbling of the wall that she had built saying that he didn't understand what they were saying in front of him, that he didn't know what was happening. It took my breath out of my body and I and I felt the wonder and the pain that she felt as a sibling in that moment, realizing all these years he's been in there and he's understood everything we said and didn't have a way to tell us the shame of that. And, and, and the joy of realizing that now he was going to be able to tell her just stunningly well-written. So want to encourage people. And the message I think is vital, Nancy, that we do, you always have said this to me. You've always said this to me. We always presume intelligence. And you know, that's, that's one of the first things I remember you saying to me, Oh, always presume intelligence that a lot of people look at somebody who's non speaking and assume all kinds of things, but you've always been at the forefront of that Nancy. And, um, and I always think about that, um, but there are still a lot of people who assume that if you're not speaking, it means you have nothing to say. And and we know that isn't true. Those of us who've met many people who have found the way to communicate, we know it's not true. In fact, it's quite the contrary. These folks have a lot to say that is vital for us to listen to.
0: Right. She talks about uh, beautifully expresses how for the first 15 years of her brother's life, He was misunderstood and underestimated. And she goes on to argue for uh, non speaking autistic voices to be the leaders uh, in a different kind of conversation about non speaking autism, that we should listen to those individuals themselves.
2: I was so moved by it. It's very well written. I can't wait to see what else she writes, but um, a beautiful, beautiful message. It will take you guys' breath away. Okay, and what's our next story, Nancy?
0: Uh, The next article is a bit dense, I to say, Shannon. um, I tried to wade my way through this. It's from Hindawi, which is uh, a journal... I'm not yeah. sure whether that originates of um and it's the the uh headline is severity of child autistic symptoms and parenting children with yeah. autism spectrum in Japan and USA, cross cultural differences. Yeah
2: and it's the actual study that's why it's dense and i and there was so much and i'm not going to pretend that i okay. understand every aspect of it either nancy because it's not the medias we're going to disseminate for you right now but you know this is the actual study but the big takeaway from this is that they had a group of kids that were on the spectrum in the us and a group of kids in japan and they Asked the parents a lot of questions about them and then rated the parents' answers to a bunch of different things like how severe they thought their children were and, and what kinds of skills their children were having difficulty with and what kind of stress they had. And the big takeaway that they were surprised about was that the stress that you feel when your child is on the spectrum is not a direct correlation to the severity of your child's symptoms, that your child could be doing quite right. well and you could still have a great deal of stress and that your child could be pretty severely impacted and you might be somebody who's dealing better with the stress. And that went across both cultures in the U.S. and in Japan. Right. So they found that, that really interesting. There were other things that they looked at that I found fascinating that it said that that here in the U.S. we were rating our children as being more severe Than with the same symptoms that the folks in Japan were. And they were saying that our kids here in the U.S. were often, I believe, I hope I'm not misquoting, that our our kids showed a higher social skills quotient than the kids in Japan, but we were more stressed about it in the U.S., which sort of is interesting, if nothing else. But I think it's significant because we've said this for a long time, that when your child is diagnosed on the spectrum, there's stress, And obviously, you know, there are different challenges for different families, but everybody's entitled to their stress, and we all need to be seeking ways to mitigate the stress. And maybe, maybe the the reason why it didn't correlate is maybe we've gotten smart about getting help for families where their children have more severe symptoms, and maybe we've forgotten to do that for all the families. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Interesting, you know, different uh being able to cope with I um have with two families, uh one who on Facebook co-man named Alex, who many years ago actually today they ran as a diagnosis of uh, autism and down syndrome, and he is in a wheelchair and um family vacation, and he choked, which he is, has happened to him on a number of mm-hmm. times. My mom had to do the Heimlich and he aspirated and had to go to the hospital and was now biotics. And I just marveled at the strength of this mother. Um, I don't know that I would have it in me to be a she is her name is Cindy Burns wouldn't mind name. And yet Nancy, you've been I, through some pretty harrowing things. I, yes, that's true. some pretty harrowing things, but nothing like the struggle she has. and then I have another friend whose son is twenty eight and he is nonverbal. And he is in a residential facility. She placed him there when he was eight years old. Uh, so he's been there for twenty years. Well, he was having um, a tantrum and he broke his tibia, which necessitated mm. him having to be hospitalized in surgery, but had to keep him in soft restraints during this time. And once oh, he, began, he ain't there, but for the grace of God go I. Um, and I marvel at Melissa's strength. And I, I marvel at the strength it took for her because she knew she was not equipped to continue to have him in their home with their other son because of yeah. his aggressive behaviors many years ago. And she wrote a beautiful short story that she shared with me about the process of placing him in a residential facility. Um, but I look at moms like that, and I am awed and amazed by their courage and their tenacity because I know it can't be easy.
2: But the irony of that, Nancy, is that we all look at you and say the same thing Um, because you've been through some pretty tough times. Um, And, you know, uh, just between losing your husband in the middle of all this and that, you know, and then Wyatt having some additional things added on to his diagnosis. I, I don't want to tell his story here. That's up to you. But some of the things that you've been through, I know I was like, girl, I don't know. I Like, that's a lot. I think we all look at other people and go, I don't know how I would do that. Do you know? Right. But, and isn't it amazing aren't aren't we lucky to be in a community of such amazing strong people who find a way Uh, And it it just reminds me how important it is to offer support to all of the people in the community, which is one of the things we hope to do through this show. Obviously, it can't be everything, but to provide information and inspiration to help people to find the thing that will help them, which our guest is going to help us in just a minute to do that. Maybe we should move on to the next news story. What have you got, Nancy?
0: Um, Your eyes could reveal if you have ADHD or autism. Isn't this
2: fascinating?
0: Yeah. Out of the University of South Australia uh, gives new meaning to the term, the eyes tell it all. Um, The eyes may be able to signal neurodevelopmental problems like ASD and ADHD. Um, There's something. um, um, The actual. uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, of course, using
0: don't think it up. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a diagnostic test. Of activity of the retina in response to a light stimulus. That children with ADHD had greater total ERG energy lower ERG yeah. energy. And so yeah. so This is a new way. Of- I found that
2: fascinating
0: measuring that. Yeah. With yeah. Another Absol-
2: Absolutely. Well, and not only that, you know, that bit of information that when you have ADHD, that your, your number is higher for this. And when you have an autism spectrum, it's lower. That's a clue that's a clue that there's something signal that's happening between your eye and your brain. And I hope they're doing more research on it because I think maybe that isn't just a diagnostic thing. Maybe that's something that will give us more information to get to the more mysterious sides of this uh, so that we understand how the brain is interacting. That's what I'm hopeful for. And then I think we had one more study, Nancy.
0: And I don't know if it's losing you or
2: you're kind of going in and out for me, and I don't know whether it's my Mm -hmm. internet
0: connection. Oh yeah. Okay, this one I've yes, Yes. this Sage journal. Yeah, mental health availability for autistic youth in New York City. Um, This was a study looking at mental disabilities and their ability to access mental health services.
2: Yeah. And this is just a microcosm, right? Because we're just looking Um, at this in New York City. But when you think about the fact that, you know, when we look over and over when we're talking about studies, Nancy, and we're looking at what are the number one causes of, of death for people that are over the age of 18 with autism, and, and we see that depression, but then also that this population uh, is dying of things that they shouldn't die of. And, and one of the things that this article talks about is right. if you don't have the ability to communicate what you need, you're less likely to get it. Doesn't that sound like a big duh to you? so i time. I think what's and 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 we know depression and suicide um, is a big factor for this age range, and I'm sorry, Nancy, we're having like some sort of disconnect so. I'm hearing you later. I don't mean to be over-talking you. But I, I think what the takeaway for this is that it is so imperative that we continue to provide training to mental health professionals to be looking for clues and having a checklist of when somebody exhibits this behavior, make sure that you offer them these services. Otherwise, they're not likely to get them. I just can't even you know, like that is the duh heard round the world. I don't know why we have to explain that to people that are in the mental health um, position to offer services, but apparently it needs to be explained because there are lives at stake here.
0: Yes. I'm not sure we have Nancy. Okay. Um, Uh, We need to (laughs) uh, to close.
2: I'm not, I, no, you're going in and out. And I don't know whether it's just me or if it's everything. Um, but you got to okay. be getting frustrated. Imagine, as frustrating as it is for us that we're trying to communicate through this medium with sketchy internet today, imagine how frustrating it is for a teen or a young person on the spectrum who needs help and support and is having difficulty communicating and getting access to those services. This frustration that we are feeling is just a small amount of what they must be feeling. Um, But I'm frustrated. (laughs) Are you frustrated, Nancy? Oh. I want to take my internet I'm and shove connection. it into the Atlantic
0: Ocean. Uh,
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, let's shove it into the ocean. Anyway. All right. Uh, okay. So uh, I want to get on to our guest because he's been waiting patiently, and I'm so excited to have him here with us. Nancy, if you have internet, but it looks like you don't, I don't, I, I, I might, normally we love it when Nancy Uh, does the introductions because, you know, she just does it so much better than I do. But Nancy, let's see. You you have internet at the moment. Go for it. Introduce Jim for us.
0: Okay. Our first guest is, as Shannon said earlier, an autism dad. His name is Jim Hamilton. And um, he is an advocate. Um, And his career, he he has been a high-frequency quant trader, which I'm not exactly sure what even that is. So we'll I to.
2: had to Google it, but I did. And guess what? I still what don't understand. It? I still, still don't understand. understand You'll okay. have to explain it to us. I Googled it, though. I did look it up.
0: <laughs> okay. He's been a high-frequency quant trader for a Chicago uh, firm. And uh, he has a background in statistics, computer science, and finance. He's a brainiac. and he is an advocate um and we're going to hear a little bit about his advocacy for autism for ABA, uh and his work with insurance advocacy yes yeah his name is jim hamilton welcome to the show jim hey how are you hi how are you good Good to have you here, Jim. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, you and your family, your family members?
1: Uh, yeah. So uh, my, wife, uh, uh, my wife and I just moved back here to Kansas, but uh, we have uh, uh, our son, John, who was uh, diagnosed with ASD when he was uh, two. He's now seven. Uh, daughter, Cece, four years old, and son, James, six months.
2: So you're, you are Jim, and you have a son named James. I, I can uh, yeah. relate to yeah. my My husband is Jim, and our son is James. It's it's a thing. It's a trend. Uh, good luck to you. We've had difficulty with it. I hope it goes <laughs> smoother for you than it has for us. But it's all good. It's a great name. You got to love it in all of its iterations. So maybe end the controversy for us here. I did look up uh, Quant. Uh, and yeah. try to, what a quant trader was. I still, I'm not going to pretend I understand it. What, uh, what in the heck is that?
1: I, I don't know. You know, my, I, <laughs> uh, my wife struggles with it too. People ask him and, and I just, uh, I've told her, yeah, I'm, I'm just a trader. Uh, okay. It's just a little more math, a little more computer science, but just a trader.
2: Okay. Because it was something to, because the, the quant stands for quantitative, right? Or yeah, quantitative
1: an analyst. The, my my point in saying that was uh, I have absolutely no experience in you know uh, behavioral health or or anything uh, related to my son's diagnosis. So I was uh, swimming with, you know I was uh, without a paddle there. So I had to catch up quick, just like every other parent really.
0: Tell us a little bit about his diagnosis. You mentioned that um, he was diagnosed with autism when he was two years old. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and. What that was like for
1: you, yeah. So, my wife is a uh, you know, she she was a kindergarten teacher uh, here in Kansas, and then we moved to Chicago as well. Uh, she went to school for special ed, so she knew she saw the signs when he was six months old, he wasn't rolling over, he couldn't hold his head up. We, we did the helmet thing, uh, so it was um, it, it was it was quickly diagnosed, you know, by her, uh, and I kind of looked at it as you know, I you mentioned this in your book, uh, but. The, the first stage is, you know, it's the five stages, right? The first stage is uh, denial. So I was definitely in the denial stage there, but, uh, and up until we got the diagnosis, I was certain that my wife was wrong, but of course she wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was was tough, but you know, it's, uh, my wife, uh, dealt with it by reading a bunch of books, um, and I couldn't, the books didn't help me because they were more, um, uh, pep talky. Uh, which is which is great, but that, that wasn't what I was looking for. So I was looking for more information. Had I known about your book then, I would have enjoyed that. But uh, I didn't, I read, um, I, there were no like uh, practical guides. So I just dug in deep to the uh, scientific papers and, and kind of caught up that way. So.
2: Well, I I think your tale is very familiar tale, right? I think a lot of, especially dads, you know, it's not across the board. I know at least one friend that she was the one in denial, and her husband was the person saying, "Honey, I think you got to look at this." But I think more often than not, it's the dad that is in denial. We know um, Rodney Pete. I, the title of his book was "Not My Son." Talk about—I I call it the River in Egypt denial. Um, but I—I um, I think it's hard for the dads, Jim. I think. Yeah. I I think it's, it's a hard thing for them. And we see a lot of dads who struggle with the acceptance of it, but you look like somebody to me that kind of quickly got on board. Is that the truth of it? Or did it take you a while after the diagnosis?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the next day I I had bought an ADA textbook and I was trying to, you know, really figure out where I could pitch in here. So um, once we got it, once it was true, you know, Um,
2: Who had told you about ABA though? Because when they diagnosed, did they tell you about ABA at that appointment?
1: No, and you're absolutely right. It wasn't an ABA textbook that I got. I read some papers and I didn't know about ABA for months after the fact. Um, But it was, and and it was frustrating what we did first. We went through a a specific type of therapy that was not ABA. Um, And, you know, it's kind of beyond the scope here, but uh, it wasn't, I didn't love it. But we, we we quickly found a, a ABA and and found a good spot. So, so uh,
0: you found ABA how long after the diagnosis?
1: Uh, we got diagnosed when he was um, just under two, maybe 18 months. Um, I think maybe a few months before he, he turned two. And we found ABA by the time he was three. So we did move quick uh, and we were quick to interview and test out ABA, but we had found our... Uh, our favorite ABA place by the time it' two
2: here's Absolutely. what I want to know, Jim. what was it about what was it that you found out about ABA that you went? This is the thing that we're going to go get, and why did that become so important to you?
1: Well, I you know you mentioned my my background, but i i'm I'm big into data it, my, my, my argument is if you're not measuring it, it's not science. And if it's not science, then you know what are we doing here? So I, uh, what I love about ABA is yes, these are qualitative skills, and yes, it is difficult to measure them, but you can measure them. Um, my son struggles with uh, screaming, just kind of impulsively, and we, you know, his his therapist developed tools to monitor that. We've got the voice level system, whatever it is. So, but you can measure outbursts, and we can have an incidence, you know, plot of, of this and have a moving average of it over the last. Weeks and we can see that, yeah, these tools are working. This is when we started to do, you know, when we started to implement this tool. And yeah, after the next, you know, extinction burst and all that, it did that actually come down. So uh, it, it is measurable. Um, and it is, uh, it, even though maybe at first blush, it, it feels like it shouldn't be.
0: And you said, Jim, you all had a goal to get John into a private school that were allowed ABA therapists, what was that process like for you?
1: Yeah, so for, for us, it was important that we have um, ABA therapy in school, because in my mind, ABA therapy is the gold standard in treatment for um, uh, for a child with autism. Um, and maybe that's controversial, but it's at least the, the easiest thing to get approved by uh, insurance, let's say. Uh, and, and in Kansas and IEP, uh, will get you uh speech PT OT maybe some paratime maybe some special ed uh, teacher pull out time uh, but and it is most often just that it's pull out time and you know you mentioned this in your book you say if if he's getting pulled out of math to learn speech then what's the game? And yeah. uh, you know big proponent of math. So I uh it, it was it was not worth it to me to get uh, speech, PT and OT, which I feel like I could get on Saturday or after school. I want to get schooling when I can get it. And the nice thing about ABA is we can pursue these goals while we're pursuing academic goals. They, they're not, and my insurance provider disagreed, uh, initially at least, that they're, they're not, that they can't be done in tandem. Well, they absolutely can. Uh, and in fact, they complement each other very well. So Going the the public school route unfortunately wasn't an option for us. Going the IDP route wasn't an option. I wanted ABA therapy in and, and for personal reasons we, we chose this particular private school. We wanted to go to this private school and we wanted ABA therapy in the school. Um yeah, and it was a struggle. We had a struggle, one getting the uh the principal on board and two getting it passed through insurance. So you know the struggle of getting it through the principal was uh you know. We had to teach her and her team what is ADA. So our BCBA, yeah, um, uh, volunteered her own time to come in and teach our our first grade or our kindergarten teacher, you know, some tools, observing in class, and teachers some tools. And they all kind of got on board. They said, "They said, yeah, these are actually usable tools that we can use in the classroom, and it does mitigate behavior." Um, so we got them on board with that, and then it was, um, then it was. of showing them that we weren't going to be you know we're going to be one of those parents we're not going away uh we're going to be uh you know respectful but persistent uh and 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 then it was you know we're we're meeting with them once a month and it's you know what are what are palpable uh what are what are actual blockers give me actual things uh so you know our we got our rbt to take this two-hour training course or uh, you know, sign a waiver for confidentiality of other students or a slip and fall waiver, uh, adhere to a dress code. So there were like a, a, a litany of things that we had to get done. And we finally adhered to it. And, and uh, you know, so we, we got to a place where uh, the, the staff there was willing to let it happen. Um, and, you know, it sounds, I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like a no-brainer, right? Why wouldn't a principal, why wouldn't a school want, uh, why wouldn't they welcome free professional help? uh for for a student uh, but it is actually you know this principal faced some significant headwinds she was um she was you know going against tradition in this school system and and really my son is the pilot program for the whole school system for aba in the classroom um and, and just for this like private network of schools in kansas so really I'm i'm grateful for this principal she She's done a lot of work, and she she made really what I think is a courageous decision. Um, so we got it approved by the school. Uh, and then the next bit was get it approved by insurance and and that's probably the the most difficult part of the story was because mid last winter we thought we got provisional approval, and we thought, well, the battle's over we we've won right so we just have to wait for the principal to approve and she did by may and we thought okay we're, we're golden. so then we say here we submit like formal requests for these services and then we don't hear for a couple of weeks and i figure that's fine it's just the slow gears of insurance moving right but uh you know two weeks into it my bcba gets a a call from a, a care coordinator that the case manager at my insurance company and they set up a, a case consultation where a an insurance um PhD meets with my practicing BCBA, and kind of pressured her to withdraw the in-school language of the the, uh, request for services. And I had asked prior to attend this call. I wasn't allowed to attend this call. Um, But my BCBA made, I think, a reasonable decision, which was to withdraw it because what, what they said was, okay well if you leave it in there we're going to deny it and and this kid's not going to get services all summer so she made a reasonable decision she withdrew it my son got services for the summer and then we're kind of uh at a loss for you know days so days and hours we're on the phone trying to figure something out uh i reach out to um i reach out to an insurance advocate a special needs advocate you know other ada clinics in the area try to see what's working nothing's working um and then just kind of my my wife's doing research on the side. She finds this PDF, uh, and the PDF was written by Julie Kornack from your show, uh, by the center on the Center for Autism Letterhead, uh, and it was specifically about ABA therapy in a classroom. And we thought, oh, this is great. This is exactly what we're talking about. And I had Julie's email address on the bottom, so my wife just kind of, you know, we're grasping at straws. She sends an email to Julie, and we didn't know the Center for Autism that I mentioned to you guys earlier. That we actually lived around the corner from the center of Autism when we were in Chicago, so we didn't actually uh, and, and I didn't know that until you know I, I heard Julie's name. so within an hour, Julie had responded and you know with empathy and, and concrete usable information. and she said this, and I, I know this after going back to your archives and watching uh, her on your show this last week, uh, she mentioned the Mental Health Parity Act, and she talks about having a button with mental health parity, got mental health parity. But in short, the reason it's applicable is uh, you know the act explicitly states non-qualitative treatment limitations, and it says, and I'll read it. restrictions based on geographic location, facility type, provider uh, specialty, and other criteria to limit the scope or duration of benefits and services are not are not allowed. So that's exactly what we what we wanted like right? the scope in an academic setting, uh, and it was or the uh, facility type rather, and then the scope during academic hours. Um, so it was it was, uh, it was hope, really. So we we took that and in the in the next week we kind of crafted an addendum, you know, a request to again uh, to amend our services. Uh, and you know, Judy responded to several more emails, which I really appreciate. Um, So, but I'm writing this with my BCBA, and we're talking about, you know, it's uh, we have to prove medical necessity for uh, AVA in the classroom. Um, So we showed that there are certain, or we we show that there are certain behaviors that only present in the classroom that need to be addressed in the classroom because that's this is the environment where they present. It cannot be done in a clinical setting, right? and if, if we want to use these tools to generalize across setting, we should probably generalize across the setting, you know, where he spends most of his time. So it makes sense, uh, you know. I and mean, then we we were very explicit that the RBT is not going to pursue academic goals. He's going to pursue, you know, ABA goals and paralleled academic goals. So um, that was so we proved in one page uh, mental, uh, medical necessity, and in the second page I took this. Um, you know, litany of uh, quotes that the care court, uh, coordinator gave me uh, for from the insurance company. She gave me like a. She went through their uh, guidelines and gave me a highlighted list of these are the things, these are the reasons why we can't do it in, in an academic setting. Uh, so I I cited each one of them, uh, you know, from their guidelines. And I said why each one of them did not, you know, pertain to my son or why it vo- violated mental health parity. Or violated Illinois state law. My insurance in Illinois, uh, so there's you know specific Illinois state law that addresses this as well, which um, which was so it was a complete um, argument against both medical necessity of scope and uh, you should absolutely you know these are your objections and they're all wrong. Um, and then so we don't hear for a couple of weeks, and then you know, the last bit, but we don't hear for a couple of weeks. And uh, so I write the care coordinator at the insurance company, you know, a very polite email, and I just said, you know, obviously we, we'd love it if you could approve, uh, but if you're going to reject, please let us know as soon as possible so we can get started on the appeals uh, process. Uh, and that was all I said. And then the next day there's a, a voicemail in our BCDA's, you know, voicemail saying it was approved. So uh, it, was a, it was a victory for us, it was huge, but I uh, yeah, couldn't have done it without the Center for Autism.
2: But honestly, Jim, it's a victory for all of us. I got to tell you, because you're talking to two women who have been through countless IEPs. We've also been through them with other families. We What do we hear the most, Nancy, when people have kids that are school age, people always say to me, how did you get an aid in the classroom? Now, we've been telling them for years about here are some steps you can do it in the public school but in the private school setting it's always been this really hard thing and we've been saying you know it's really hard because insurance won't pay for anything that's educational right. and i'm i'm you know we've got parents that are challenging even that but the fact that you have come in and taken the very laws that they have written and and held their feet to the fire to get them to provide those services at the school for those things that are medically necessary. You've helped not only your child, but you've helped so many children coming behind you. And I hope you and your wife know that.
1: Because that is huge. Yeah, I mean it wasn't me, it was it was Julie for sure. But the I think it's incredibly important that that we have ABA therapy in the classroom. I mean an IEP should should provide that and it doesn't and that's that's really a travesty but this is this is the type of therapy that my son needs so having it in the classroom i you know i'm lucky that you know, i'm coming along so so late in this movement that these laws already exist i can't imagine being one of those Arizona parents who who had to fight to get this even you know approved uh at, or even recognized as uh, you know a, a correct you know something that could be covered by insurance.
2: Well, Nancy and I both love Julie, Julie Cornack. She's amazing. Yes. And she's been fighting really hard for all of our kids for a really long time. But I got to tell you, I, I know that Julie loves parents like you, Jim, who will take the information that she's been putting out there and run with it. And you, I, you know, I loved what you said about we let them know that we weren't those parents who were going to go away. I think that's critical. And the fact that you wrote to them and said, if you're going to deny, would you do it quickly? Because we're already planning our appeal. You sent them a message that they went, okay, they're not really going to go away. And I, Nancy, don't we both agree that's what gets it done sometimes is showing them that you're going to stand in the street and if they're going to play chicken, they're going to lose. You have to be you have
0: to be tenacious no matter what
2: what is it you say, Nancy, be a dog on a pork, chop? a pork
0: chop? Yeah. Of course, in our case with my son, we were not able to get an ABA therapist with him in the public school. We tried for many years, and that the district we were at uh, prides itself on never letting uh, a non-public school uh, aide into the classroom. And we Went for a time to a private school and had his ABA therapist funded through insurance uh, for a number of years. But that was preschool, though, able- right? Or that was actually elementary, right? Some of it. That was elementary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that
2: was even before they were paying it for at 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 home or at the center, right, Nancy? Right. That's right. And then, then then when the insurance reform came then it, they sort of cracked down and said we're n- we're not paying for it at school anymore uh, right. you know, uh, make the school pay for it we're paying for it at home now and it, right. you know it's like the pendulum swings both ways and and the, the people who lose are the kids mm-hmm. and the parents because jim I, I i hope you'll talk a little bit about this had to have been stressful for you and your wife
1: yep. Yep. yeah yeah uh, i mean definitely i'm I mean, you know it kind of goes back to what we did right when we got the diagnosis i i'm more of a I internalize it and try to come up with like objective you know uh what can i uh, what are some specific things i can try to accomplish so i am i was more focused on that um my wife was uh you know she actually reached out to uh center for autism and julie so she she actually got it done, but um she was also similarly stressed so i it was it was tough um I think what what she and I have have um, you know kind of agreed on or or maybe implicitly agree on this uh is that we're just not going to uh take no for an answer and we're just not you know what is it what's the real cost in, in you know appealing this or or taking them to court i mean I'm going to do that obviously so you know we'll we'll just deal with it as it comes and and, uh just never let it go
2: absolutely Uh, for us my husband and i we always said you know in life's little instruction booklets there was a page where it said when going after moby dick pack the tartar sauce and whenever we were in hard times i would always go buy a jar of tartar sauce and i would put it up on the ledge and i would go that you know, we're not quitting until we get Moby Dick here, whatever it was, but the stress cannot be denied. And, and I, I hope for a time that, you know, the city on the hill where when a child is diagnosed with autism, that parents are given good information right away and that they're given access to things that are right for that individual, which is not one size fits all and that nobody has to fight over it. Yep. And I hope that someday we're going to get to that. And we've got a couple of minutes, Jim. I know one of the other things that we were hoping if we had time was to talk about everything that you've been through in ter- terms of living in one place, moving to another, starting ABA, picking a clinic, and how it's got to be the right fit. And and if you can give some advice to parents about how you guys did that, I think we'd both love to hear that. Wouldn't we, Nancy? Yes, please.
1: Yeah. For me, what is the right fit for, I, I feel like what is the right fit for my son is a, a clinic that uh, puts an emphasis on, on measuring and reporting. I want to have, uh, have a, a monthly meeting with the BCBA. I want that meeting to be, you know, uh, I want two days before that meeting to get the written report and all the plots. I want to go over the plots. I'm going to send you questions the night before. So you have a time to think of, so you have time to think about how you're going to answer them, and then on the day of the meeting, let's just let's just rip through it and get it done. You know, in and out in 15 minutes if we have to, it's fine. But you know, let's give me some time to catch up to where you are as a VCBA and and you know, give you some time to really think about the questions that I have. So that that kind of relationship is maybe a little more demanding than, than most parents. But that's kind of the relationship that I require of a of a clinic and unfortunately there was a handful of clinics that we went to that just the the measurement wasn't rigorous enough uh, or the the therapy wasn't generalizable enough we weren't looking at we weren't talking about um we weren't talking about the same the same thing I mean, they would you know, playtime is great so long as that we're so long as we're and pairing with your RBT is absolutely required. Sure, but you know, it needs to be constructive, and you need to be sitting there with a clicker, or you need to be sitting there with your iPad taking notes as you're going. And and we need to agree on what is the behavior we're targeting. How are we trying to measure success? And how are we going to know if we need to change tack? You know, midway through this, we need to it has to be based on a scientific method. And if it's not, then it's really not worth It's really not worth my son's time, you know, but, and you've said this before, which is uh, there's a lot of studies that, that say that 40 hours are effective. And there are no studies that say that 20 hours are effective. And and uh, an ABA clinic, unfortunately, there's a shortage of RBTs right now just nationwide. And it's, it's difficult to get the hours that you've maybe even gotten approved for by your insurance company. So another big thing is make sure that you're you're on a list and, and you're also uh, not just on that list and not just going to get some hours. Don't take me off the list if I'm going to get 10 hours. I'll, I'll say where I am now and, and get the 35 that I'm getting. Yeah. So it, it, it requires understanding what aba therapy is and and uh you know knowing what's a good fit for you and then fighting for it.
2: Absolutely. Amen to that. It's hard though. It's it really really hard and and I think for a lot of people when in the beginning if you don't know what it is that you're looking for like you went looking for for the thing and I really want to apologize to you cuz I think my book is more of the pep talk that you said you oh, wanted. Well, but I would tell you that the book that I recommend, if you're not looking for the pep talk, if you're looking for the how to, we just had uh, Dr. Mary Barbera Lynch on the show and her book, Turn Autism Around. I'd I'd love for you to take a look at that, Jim, because um, she's a she's a mom who became a BCBA. She was an RN and became a BCBA um, and and you know is trying to help parents to understand what you need to do to get from point A to point Z, um, and and I I have a mission. Nancy does as well. That we try to give information to to families that will be useful to them. I am always a little. I think you know. I mean, we're both fans of ABA, Nancy. But I think I'm a little bit bit more of a fan of that intensive, but probably because I got it and I got it at the right time. Um, And so my whole life is a, a, a testament to what's possible when you get it at the right time and the right intensity. And I see, it's very scary to me right now, how many people we fought so hard, Nancy, didn't we, for people to be able to get access to what they have access to now. And, and there's parents who are just turning it down. They're, they're yeah. being offered 35 hours of ABA and they're like, you know, 15 is fine. Um, 15 sounds like a lot. He's only three. Never knowing that that equation is not shown scientifically anywhere to be effective for a three-year-old. 15 hours, won't, definitely. won't help your child in the way that you're hoping that it will.
1: Yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's a, a, the Early Start Denver model study and, and, you know, early intervention studies have shown that it's better than nothing, but it's definitely not as good as 40 hours. I mean, it's not. Yeah. yeah. It, for me, it had to be the full 40 and it's a lot for my son. It felt like a lot as a parent, but. You know, how do you guys
2: manage it? Because you've got other kids. And so for the people who are watching are like, great, but how do you do it? How do you guys manage?
1: I, my wife does She, she is the, 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 workhorse. I mean, it's a priority for us. We, it's, you know, we plan vacations around it. We, we make sure that, uh, you know, if, you know, there's a, there's a lake house party or something this weekend, we're all going down on Thursday now. We're going to be there Friday night. So it's, it's absolutely our priority. So It's just the way it has to be.
2: Well, you say that your wife is doing it. Then maybe tell us, because maybe the other dads need to hear this. How do you support her? Because I know I interviewed your husband once, Nancy, and he said, how are you getting this done? And he said, it's her. It's all her. And that every day he prayed that you, he was like, he would, it said that when he would say to you, when you would leave the house, he would say, don't die don't die. And I know it broke his heart. I don't know if you know, Jim, that her husband passed away several years ago. And it was the thing that the, the, one of the last things he said to me was, I, I don't want to leave her alone with this. Um, but so tell other dads, Jim, how do you support your wife through this as she's being the project manager?
1: Yeah. I mean, she's the project manager and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take time off if, you know, if, it, if John needs to go from you know, uh, speech and PT over to ABA in the middle of the day. If that's just how the schedule is gonna work, then, then fine, I'm, I'm quick to, to use whatever PTO I can to do that. But, you know, it, it also kind of just boils down to, uh, I, I'm there for all the meetings and I, I like to be there for, uh, and, and I like to be on the same page as to, you know, this is, if this is the schedule or th- if these are the goals that we're trying to, to hit in ABA for this period, then I, I want to know what the program is, so that I can start to implement it at night. So that when when I get done with work, I can go up and, and take John in a corner, and we'll we'll work on the program ourselves. Uh, and and to give her that break is, I mean, that's really all I can do. I, but you know, she's with him all day every day.
0: Jim, tell us what if you had advice to give fathers uh, from your perspective.
1: Yeah, what would it be? What would your advice be? Uh, I'm a huge proponent of ABA. Um, and again, that might be um, controversial, but I, I think it's, it's crucial. So get into APAs as quickly as you can. Get as many hours as you can. You can get 40 hours. It doesn't matter what insurance tells you. You can get 40 hours. Uh, and when you're dealing with insurance or the school, you know, these are good people. They're doing their jobs. They're they're not out to get you. They're your partners. So be you know respectful and polite and and treat them like they're your you know compatriots in this battle. But at the same time, be stern and and go after what you want. Don't don't back down. You have an obligation to uh, get it done for your kid. Um, and you know you mentioned in your book, what if what if everybody you know, after those 40 hours and said, and everybody stood up and everybody said, well, I want, you know, ABA for my kid in school. Uh, what well, if everybody did this? Then there would be a crisis. Well, let's do it because- Let's bring it on. It.
2: Oh, you are my kind of dad, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> let's create the crisis. Yeah. Um, because I think what what's happening is, is insurance is creating quite the other crisis where our kids are not getting enough. And then I see what happens as a result of that, that the services aren't there later on. And, yeah. and there is a crisis right now in the field of ABA. And we are starting to see ABA providers that are, are ceasing to be because insurance has, has made the game in such a way and nobody has trained the parents to fight back. Um, So, man, love what you're doing. And you just opened a whole new can of worms for a whole bunch of people. One last question for you, because we're almost out of time, is how are you communicating your needs effectively with your employers so that you keep your job? Aren't, you know, losing anything because heaven knows you want to keep this insurance, right?
1: Yeah. I've. um, Yeah, that's fair. I'm not. I'm not a person who's bashful about telling, you know, whether it's people at school or, or other parents or, or my employer that my son has autism, it's not, it's not something to be ashamed of, this is, this is the state of affairs, let's talk about it. So I, I, I've communicated it to them, um, I've, I've spoken to, and it's kind of a small company, there's like a hundred of us, but I've talked to, you know, HR specifically about this battle and, and they reached out to help me. Uh, with a, a private insurance um, advocate, so it was, they're, I'm lucky to be at the employer I am, uh, that I'm at, and they, they've been very good to me, um, but really, I haven't asked for too much time or, or anything, because Mary-Kate's been doing all the work, so,
2: okay, I,
1: I pitch but like
2: I- that but I love that you're communicating it. That's so, so important. Well, amazing. And of course, we want to say a big shout out to Julie Kornack, yes. um, who has been on the show before and and has been working. And she does have pins that she gives out that say MAPIA on them, which is the mental health parody. I can't remember all the other letters but the important part is is that it it is a basis for you no no matter if you live in a state that says oh we only give aba services to age seven uh, a lot of times Mapia has you covered it has your back for a a plethora of things and so we give a big shout out to julie cornac for first of all the work that she's been doing second for stepping in and getting back to you and getting you the tools that you needed to go to people to help you to get it done. And third for introducing you to us so that we could have you here on the show and share this vital information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank Thank
0: you you for being here, Jim. You're a real inspiration to to autism dads everywhere. Absolutely.
1: Thank you.
2: And us. Thank you so much for being with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're, we're really out of time, Nancy, uh, but I just wanted to take a second and thank you. And uh, what a great dad. I love, I get so excited when I hear parents, because, you know, a lot of times we give information uh, to parents and they're too overwhelmed, right? They're too overwhelmed. And that's, that's not a judgment. That's not a, that's just, you know, I've gotten advice. I, I can remember Lisa Ackerman to giving me advice and me going, uh-huh, 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 and then leaving and not taking that advice for four years. And and her being very kind and generous with me and saying, when are you going to get around to that? It's important. When you do, you're going to be sorry you didn't do it sooner. And she was right. But I was too overwhelmed in the moment to do what it was that she was telling me to do. So you do what you can when you can, but it's such a joy to be with a parent who's like, I'm going to get it done. Yes,
0: yeah, she was a real go getter.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Anything so anything
0: you tell us about the rest of the week.
2: Or, um, Well, out? tomorrow on the show, we're replaying, you know, we've been doing monthly uh, stories from the spectrum. This is the new show, Nancy, where it's only content created by people who are on the spectrum or consider themselves neurodiverse. So we had episode four dropped last Friday and we're going to replay that tomorrow. And um, I hope, I, here's the thing. I just want people to support it. It is for so long, for 10 years, people told us they loved Autism Live, but they wanted to hear more from people who were on the spectrum. We are making that happen with that show, giving all kinds of people on the spectrum a voice. And, and we're like, where's the support for that? So we hope that you'll watch it. We hope that you'll share it because it's important. It's absolutely important. So... Um, that's what's happening tomorrow. And then we'll be back next week with our our live shows. We've got a lot of fun stuff
0: going on. Okay, Shannon. Thank you. Sounds great. Let's make sure people support Stories from the Spectrum. And-
2: and two quick things that I want to say next week, um, season three of Lock and Key drops with Kobe Bird. Uh-huh. So I want to be telling everybody this week and get caught up on one and two if you haven't seen them or rewatch them because we're going to be talking about Lock and Key. And Nancy, have you seen the new K-drama from Korea? It's the number one rated Korean show. It's called Extraordinary Attorney Woo. Yeah. I think you'll like it. I think you'll yeah. like it. It's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, It's super fun. Super fun. Anyway. All right. uh, So that's all for today. We'll we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye
0: for now. Bye-bye.